Welcome to the Shallow Dive on Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us as we explore the treasures gathered by King Solomon. I hope you enjoy it. Perikyud Pasuk Vav, chapter 10, verse 6. Nitan asechel bamromim rabim. A fool was placed on great heights, many heights. Vashirim bashefel yeshevu. And the wealthy dwell in lowliness. This is following the previous verse. This appears to be an error. Kishgaga sheyotza milfne hashalit. See how Targum explains this verse. Yehav Adonai Yas Malka Rishia. God gives the wicked kingdom Vishatya and fools. Lemeheve Barya Bimazole to be of robust fortune. Umishamish ba'atzlochusa min shmei and to revel in the heights of success, to access and utilize tremendous success. Baichaluse va. Chayalusohi and his hordes give sonin, are haughty, visagin, and a multitude. Ve'amoch, in contrast, and your nation, Beis Israel, the house of Israel, Mishtabdin, Tachosohi, are subject under him. Bigalusa, in exile. Umin Sigius Chovehon, and from the multitude of their sins and guilt, Atire Nixin, the wealth of properties, Mismaskinin, are endangered, jeopardized, and in squalor, poverty, they dwell among the nations. This sharp contrast King Solomon sees it appears to be an error, but he already explains But there is a rationale here. The guilt of the Jewish people precipitated this whole turn of events. But in the face of it, it seems surprising. You have wicked, foolish dominion and the house of Israel impoverished, 
scattered. That is a consequence of sin. Rashi says, Nitan hasechel bamromim rabim, zuhi hara'a, this is the evil, shehikishgaga sheyotse milfnei hashalit, that it is like an error that comes forth from before the ruler. Shinitan hashtos v'aresha bimromei gova, that at the heights of power, you have wickedness and folly. Shagvoim for the Holy One, blessed be He, has elevated the fool, the fools and the wicked. For I see in prophetic vision that they will stretch forth their hand against God's sanctuary, the losum ososam osos, and to place their signs as signs. Fascinating description of the wicked and foolish conquerors that will be given dominion on so many levels. They will place their signs as signs, their emblems, their symbols, not just a superficial domination. To take an example, the golden horde. You have the Mongolian domination was fairly superficial in terms of their impact on the societies and the spiritual lives of their subjects. They came to collect the money and other goods, if you will, and go. And ultimately, they accepted the religions, largely of Islam, uh, of their subjects. So they did not place their symbols in any position of power. They did not dominate the society in a spiritual sense. But King Solomon sees that the fools and wicked that will attack and conquer the sanctuary of God will also be given a domination that is not just external, but even on a deeper sense, a domination within the psyche. Losum ososum osos, to place their symbols as signs. They have a very deep impact, unfortunately coming from position of foolishness and wickedness. This appears to be as an error before the king. Vashirim and the wealthy, Bashefel Yeshevu, in squalor will dwell. Yisrael, Shebechol Hagdula, the Kavod, Sheishlehem, Asha Biyomai. Israel, with all the grandeur, honor that they have 
Now in my days, says King Solomon, Asidim Leishev Vashefel. In the future, they will dwell in a lowly manner. Shenema, as the verse says, in Echa, Lamentations, Beis Yud, Yeshvu La'aretz Yidmu. They will dwell and be like the earth itself, trampled on, lowly, so low, a person doesn't feel bad for the dirt that they step on it. That's what you do on dirt. The, the Jew is of a similar caliber in the exile. To dwell in the lowest strata, barely acknowledged as a human being. So King Solomon sees this tremendous fall prophetically and this appears to be the exact opposite of what you would expect. King Solomon knows the Jewish mission. King Solomon gave Kohelis to the nations when they came to ascend on Sukkot. How is this a reflection of God's mission? It is surprising. It does appear at a face value to be a shgaga, as though it were inadvertent. To be a what? A shgaga is an inadvertent error. Of course, it is with divine providence. What's the inadvertent error? The placement of the Jewish people in, in such a state of lowliness seems to be countering the potential to fulfill our mission as Orla Goyim. To be like the dirt itself. The Sechel here is like the Ksil, is the Ksil. Yeah, like the Mitsuras Tian says, the, the fool. Yeah, it's an inversion of the or the folly or the foolishness or the let's see in Mitsuras David. Nitan Hasechel Ashera Isi Tachas Hashemesh. Ah, Rotsaloma. Vizehu Haksil. This is the fool. Nitan Bimakomos Gavoim. He's placed in high places. Makomos Shein Roilo. Places that are not fit for him. Sometimes you see somebody in the office of the height of power that. You scratch your head and say, really? So it's really a pretty simple statement. <laughs> Sol King, King, King Solomon was saying that uh, there's been a problem, and this is what it is, that uh, uh, idiots are ruling instead of wiser people. Well, both people of folly and people of wickedness. It's a, it's a, yeah, a deadly cocktail. I had to a pick a generic term. <laughs> a deadly me. cocktail. Yeah, that's people, people of... Well, it doesn't actually even say wickedness. It just says... The Targum does. The Targum oh, adds... The targum does. The, he calls the kingdom of wickedness and foolishness. Uh, the wicked and the foolish. So the implication here is that, uh, is that uh, folly or foolishness is uh, a, a wicked element. Well, I would say yeah. the, the, the other way that 
wickedness stems from folly. It's a type of folly. A person doesn't sin unless he is yeah, they, uh, possessed they, of a spirit of folly. They go together like a horse or a carriage. Shota is a fool. I thought it was a drunkard. No, a, a drunkard is somebody that's a shikur. Yeah. Vashirim haruim lekavod, and the wealthy that are fit for glory, yesh b'makom shafavanoch, they dwell in a place of lowliness. They have no power. This appears as though there's some mistake. This is a horrible mistake. How could this be? But in reality, it is not a mistake. There is a divine method to what appears to be madness. It is not an error. What's about Shephel? Shephel is a sense of Lowliness or squalor, depending on the context, but we hear it's the diametric opposition to power and greatness. What's that again, please? Shefel means lowly. In the lowly, the, those that were essentially enriched are impoverished and dwell in lowliness, as Rashi said, like the dirt. Where, where, where in, this, in this statement is the reference to the, those who sit in, low, in this lowly state? The last three words of the verse. Va'ashirim. Ashirim are. The wealthy. Va'shefa. specifically means wealthy? That's what the word ashirim means. Enriched. And those who are enriched. Enriched. Va'shefel yeshevel. In lowliness or squalor, they will dwell. Talumas Chachma says, Nitan hasechel bamromim rabim kilomar shegozrin, meaning to say they decree the omrin came and say such. People say that there seems to be some error from on high, as it were, by this preposterous, seemingly preposterous turn of events where those that are placed in the great heights are it's, fools and uh, it's, it, it, is, is this a, a fair interpretation uh, because you see this sometimes you know and even nowadays and it kind of bothers me uh, sometimes we celebrate the absurd because it's kind of funny and you can laugh at it instead of appreciating enriched uh, thinking and it's not absurd yeah, it's an error of our society. And that's a, what he's talking about, in a way, is a terrible evil. 
societally speaking. That's one thing to say something that's absurd, laugh at it, and forget about it. That's one thing. But to think that it's something to be celebrated is a bit much. Yeah, it's a real, that's a real problem in our society. The, the response to absurdity is supposed to be a reductio ad absurdum. You reevaluate the original premises that led you to that absurdity, and you have to reject at least one of them, and then do teshuva, essentially. In, in, a, in a philosophical or mathematic proof, that's the role of reductio ad absurdum. But he's right, people just, they, they find it humorous and enjoyable rather than finding it painful and rejecting it. Um, that's an example of, of in the entertainment and arts and arts and entertainment how this Kisilut is in the high places and it's distorting our it's the culture it's is influenced culture. by such foolishness yeah it's, it's given such gravity even though it's so yeah not just art frivolous whole, so uh, frivolous you know, in, in the way politics is done and the way Mm -hmm. Reputations are built, and the way uh, all, all kind of things happen in business and everything else. But it is given by God, as Tagum says. What is? Nitan, who is the one who places this absurd situation? It is God. Yeah. That that is oh, what he says. Man. Don't don't think that this is some kind of error. Who ordered that? God did. What, 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 this greatest evil under the sun so, that the King Solomon's... We're trying what? to understand King Solomon. He didn't say here. greatest evil. He said yesh ra ra Not the excuses for uh, for God's uh, blessing, King Solomon. Yeah, that's the um, key to it. It's yesh ra ra This is an evil I have seen. Rather than seeing and say this is a fate, this is inevitable, we might as well laugh at it and enjoy it. We have to see it as saying, no, this is ra ra and that, that's a path of redemption. What's that? To regard it as an evil without, under the sun. To regard evil. what as an evil? This, this thing you see, when you see... Um, the power, the, the absurdity. Power absurdity. Oh, 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 yeah. To see it as an evil that exists in the absence of well, truth. Well, it requires a very, very rich thinking the to light over it. <laughs> well, the Targum lays the seeds of understanding what underlies it. It is rooted in the... the Tremendous burden of sin among the Jewish nation. That's that is. It's not that God messed up. It's convenient to fly a scapegoat, but it happens to be the Jewish people messed up. <laughs> not just Jews, plenty other people too. Well, as we should always take note from the Book of Jonah, he was on a ship full of idolaters, and he said. <laughs> He said, it's because of me the that the of, Tempest is here. It sounded like he said the book of Jonah. Jonah, Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. He didn't say it's your fault and your fault and yeah. you're a terrible guy. No, it's because of me. <laughs> he was well aware. He was the prophet of God and he was the source of the problem. And they were all praying while he was sleeping as well, which is a good thing to do in, in theory. He was, well, sure, he was running that, away. What, what was he in the Chofetz Chaim's camp? <laughs> Not, as far as, Not as far as I know. <laughs> so the Talmud Chachamah continues, Vashirim and the wealthy, Vashefel Yeshevu, Hainu Ashirim Bedas, the wealthy in knowledge, Vashefel Yeshevu will dwell in squalor, Alkain Kofrim Bashkocha Mikolako, this causes a denial of divine providence in its entirety. 
people say, this is absurd. Look at who's in power, the wicked, the foolish. Look at how they dominate the culture. It's hard to get a word of sense out there to, to be effective and have an impact. This creates well, it's a, a sense of despair by some that deny divine providence. The denial of divine providence is an element of what you'd call Chilul Hashem. It appears as a desecration of divine hand within history. And that Chilul Hashem is, as Tagum said, a consequence of the Jewish nation's heavy sins. It is a terrible burden. The fact that Rashi does attribute this to Ruach HaKodesh, to the Holy Spirit, a vision of prophecy, highlights the fact that this is Kishigoga, Shiyotzumafneashalit. It is what appears to be an error. If it would strictly be King Solomon in his wisdom, who sees the future, who sees the consequences of a faltering nation, he still wouldn't have come to this conclusion. He wouldn't have seen the absurd in his vision. That requires a prophetic vision because it is not strictly the consequence of wisdom seeing the consequences in a, in a chachma sense. No, this is Ruach HaKodesh. And, and that ties together with being Kish Gaga, it appears as an error. It's, it's not what you would expect. If you, if you were trying to look at it mathematically, this is not the conclusion of, of how you would expect. Yes, there are mistakes. Mistakes have to be dealt with. This level of overturning, he wouldn't have expected that. Let's see, Pasuk Zayim. Ro'isi avodim al-susim. I have seen slaves on horses. Visorim holchim ka'avodim al ha'aretz. And princes traveling like slaves on the ground. Again, a manifestation of this topsy-turvy, surprising decree that came from on high, Neha Shalit, but it is surprising. Let's see how Targum says, Omar Shlomo Malka Beruach Nevoah says Solomon, the king, with a spirit of prophecy, Chaziz Amomaya, I have seen nations, Dehavu Mishtabdin Min Kadmas Denah, that prior were subservient to the nation, the house of Israel, Mizgabrin have achieved ascendancy. Virochvin al Susvan, riding on their horses. Ka'arhunin, like the powerful. Ve'amo, Vesisroel, and the nation, the house of Israel, 
the Rav Rivonehon, and their multitudes, Oslin, hey, they go forth, Cha'avdin al-Ara, like slaves on the ground. This, this is particularly appropriate with the previous verse, in that it is describing the switch of fortunes, the nations that prior in the times of King Solomon were subjects, now in a position of power and dominance, whereas the house of Israel is lowly and going forth as slaves. On the ground, Rashi already mentioned to us, Yishfu la'aretz yidmu, like the earth itself. Let's see, Rashi, Ra'isi avodim al-susim, I've seen slaves on horses, Kastim, this refers to the Chaldeans, Him shnema behem, zeha'am lo'hoya. Concerning them, it was said, this nation didn't used to be. Yis'alulias al-susim. They ascended to be on horses. Mulichim es shavu Yisrael asurim bekolarim. Taking away the captives of Israel bound in chains. Holchim kavodim al-aretz. The Jewish people were going like slaves on the ground. If nay, Keronin shall cast him before the caravans of the Chaldeans were depicted in Tanakh as well as riding proudly on their horses. Let's see the Mitzudas David. Al Susim, Rochvim Al Susim, Mashain Rolehem, riding on horses that doesn't befit them. Ka'avodim, in contrast, the sarim, the princes, are going like slaves. Kimo shiroi lavodim. They are being sent on the ground, like you would expect, of slaves. Ala'aretz, holchim biragleim ala'aretz, walking by foot, without the appropriate glory that you would expect, for their stature and standing. As princes, again, the, the manifestation of the absurd being decreed from on high. Let's see the Talumus Chachma. Ra'isi avodim al-susin. I've seen slaves on the horses. Oma shalo He says, do not find this hard in your eyes. Do not be perplexed. This matter. In the end, it will unwind. In the end, those that perpetuate evil will be paid. As I have seen, slaves... The Gomer, Hainu, Golus Mitzrayim, the Golus Nebuchadnezzar. The exile of Egypt, the exile of Nebuchadnezzar, 
as found in Rashi's commentary, and see what happened in the end. At the time of redemption, the truth of the matter is revealed, is clarified. does connect it to the next verse, that in the end, measure for measure is paid out. And the divine justice can be perceived in the large scale. The Benazra says, Ra'isi, Zehapasuk, Me'inyin Hapasuk Arishin. This verse is from the same subject matter as the first verse. Ve'akulam amar betchila yesh kemo asher berashim yimshal yoshim ashefa. This is a continuation of what we had two verses ago. That it is introduced introduced by yesh ra'a. There is an evil. Let's take a look at the medrash here. This is referring to the Chaldeans, as we saw in the commentaries. The princes of the king of Babylon sat in the middle gate. What is this gate referring to? This is the place where the laws are determined, literally, are cut, codified. The place where the Sanhedrin would convene. And the wealthy, the wealthy of knowledge, of wisdom, sit in squalor. The Sanhedrin. This is referring to the Sanhedrin. As it says in Echo, they sat and we're like the earth. So who's sitting in the chamber of the Lishkas Hagazis, the Temple Mount, and the Sanhedrin convened together the Holy Presence, the Shechina? You have these Kasdim. They had no business sitting in this august chamber. It appears absurd. I have seen slaves on horses. This refers to the Ishmaelites. And princes going like slaves. This refers to Joseph. The sale of Joseph, we find the Ishmaelites were instrumental in getting him from Canaan to Egypt. Ishmaelites, Midianites. Amari Levi, Avdo Zavim. Ubar amso mizabin, ubar cherin mizdabin litaveon. In the absurd tragedy, at least at the face value, before you look at what happened in the longer term, you see Joseph, who is enslaved and becomes the property of a slave himself. Potiphar is a slave. He's from Canaan. 
and he is sold to the slave by the son of the slave woman, Hagar, Ishmaelites. And the free one, Yosef, is subject and traded by both of them. So you have what appears to be absurd. Ultimately, Yosef becomes the viceroy, but at the first appearance of the story, it's hard to see how this makes any sense. He is by all rights fitting for leadership, and he is enslaved, respectively, by Ishmaelim and Mitzri. Rabbi Kiva have a solik liromi. Rabbi Kiva went up to Rome. Pogabe had saris min malchusa, and he encountered a eunuch from the kingdom. Amale atu rabbeon diudai, are you the rabbi of the Jews? Amale in, he said yes. Amale shemia minai tlas milin. Says, listen up, I have three things to tell you. The alsus melech, the one who goes on a horse, is a king. The alchamar ben chern, if he goes on the chamor, on the donkey, he's not as chashev, he's not a king, but at least he's a free man. He rides on a donkey. Min olim beraglov, if he has shoes on his feet, barnash, he's a man. At least got some shoes on his feet. The lodain, the lodain, without this and without that, chafir tavmine, one who is dug up, exhumed, his carcass just exposed from the, the ground, that person is better than him. The commentaries point out that apparently Rikiva was not wearing shoes in this particular instance. So he's getting... Yes? That's right. What's your question? The Sars, yes. Rabbi Kiva had a solid Romi. Rabbi Kiva went up to Rome. So, this eunuch of the king is giving his worldview and explaining to Rabbi Kiva how a, an exhumed body is better than him, basically. Better than him walking barefoot. Than, than, than how he presents Rabbi Kiva himself. So Rabbi Kiva was coming, oh, I see. Coming to Rome, apparently, like a, in, in, a, in a, an impoverished state. Omar plus Milan Amart. So Rikiva responded, You have said three things. Tlas Mile Shemali Khalifam. Listen to three things from me in their stead. Conversely, I have a response for you. Speaking to your points. Khalufan, in their stead as an exchange. Very important. It's not just saying three unrelated things. There are three correlated 
in exchange of your worldview, hear what I have to say. Hadras Panim Zakam. The beauty of the face, male beauty, is the beard. Hence, this eunuch obviously has no beard. He's saying, you think that you are all that. You don't have the, the basic attributes and manifestation of healthy and beautiful masculinity. In the Roman sense, we have the modern term clean-shaven, an infatuation with youth, and in a certain sense, a stunting of the development of the male. And Rabbi Giva says you get that all wrong. The barbarians are not those who have beards. Those who have beards have the beauty of the face, the adornment of the face. Simchas Levov Isha. The joy of the heart is a wife. You, Mr. Eunuch, do not have that. Nachalas Adunai Banim. The inheritance of God. Our children. You, Mr. Eunuch, do not have that. So yes, you're there riding on your horse and you think you're some kind of king. From your paradigm, you see the greatness of man in terms of domination. The greater your domination, the more man you are. If you ride on a horse, the beast, power, the choice in warfare, sus v'rochvo, ramavayam, the horse and its rider, were cast into the sea. The horse is a symbol of military strength, and him riding on the horse, the symbol of power of a king, commander-in-chief, domination. That is what he sees as the height of man. Who sees that? The eunuch. And he says, okay, if you're not a king, so you're riding on a donkey, you're at least a free man. You're at least dominating the donkey. Okay, you're not dominating the horse, but you're, you're a free man. And if all you have is domination over the earth, you can trample the earth with your shoes, so at least you're a human being. But it's all about domination, all about the, whether it be corporate ladder or various forms of pecking order. Is he the alpha or where is he? That is where he is a man. And this eunuch, in a distorted way, says, Eved Malchmelch, he is the eunuch of the king, so he is a king riding on this horse. But his essence, strip away the, the domination motif, he's not a man. He has no beard, he has no wife, he has no children. Those elements are much more essential to the inner dimension of Adam. Oh. And he has none of that. Right. 
um, this is not just against eunuchs, it's against, it's, it's against Roman legionnaires as well, because Roman legionnaires weren't allowed to get married. Mm. Uh, so they, you know, they fornicated with, uh, forgive me, but, uh, I mean, they, they weren't allowed to get married and have children, um, even though they, they weren't necessarily made eunuchs. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a rejection of the whole Roman construct, not merely of this, this servant's state. Um, and I concur with Rabbi Akiva in that assessment. Well, this fellow took to heart what Rabbi Akiva said. He said, woe to that man, it's a nice way of saying you, who is lacking in all three. Rakiva says, you're degrading me from your superficial perspective of what it means to be a man, a king, a free man, a human being. You're lacking the essential qualities of a man. Not only that, furthermore, the verse has preceded you. I've seen slaves on horses. You're presenting yourself as a king. King Solomon already preceded you. I have seen slaves on horses presenting themselves, passing themselves off as kings. But they are enslaved. He is so enslaved, so subject to his king, that his own manifestation as an individual is stunted. No beard, no wife, no children, no life, no man. But yes, he rides on a horse. Given a dishma havus once this eunuch heard these penetrating words of Rabbi Kiva, aguda umis, he gashed his head and died. He gashed his head on the wall. He was so distraught over the destruction of his life that he died. The idea that Rabbi Kiva is describing, Simchas Lev of Isha, Nachalas Adonai Bonim, these ideas are an entirely different paradigm of the human being. Nothing to do with domination whatsoever. The rejoicing of the heart, this is coming from the recognition. It's not good for man to be alone. In solitude, there is a lack. It's not coming to dominate, but it requires a recognition that he is not complete by himself. There needs to be a deep humility for him to have the healthy simchas leiv of Isha. The rejoicing of the heart is the wife, this companion that completes him. He needs to be acutely aware of his lack of completeness by himself. Similarly, Nachlas Adonai Bonim, the inheritance of God is children. The Roman preoccupation 
being clean-shaven, perpetual youth, disdain to a degree of the elderly. They showed no mercy to their elders or the elders of others. This infatuation with youth denied the reality that the inheritance of God is children. A person, in a more realistic sense, in a more humble sense, recognizes that Bonim, his children, his legacy, the inheritance of God, that is a blessing that he can only appreciate if he recognizes his own limitations. So these fulfillments of Adam, of a human being, were entirely lost on this eunuch. In his pride, he negated who he was entirely. He had no life. Yes, he was in the service of the king. So, in, in that sense, he was able to achieve some external dominance, external elements of power, riding on his horse. But he is a slave, in his essence, with no life. And that tragedy went straight to his heart. And brought about his death. He recognized he was living a life of death. Alternatively, I've seen slaves on horses. This refers to King Ahab. And princes traveling like slaves on the ground. This is referring to Elijah the prophet. Shenemar, as it says, Malochim Alaf Yud Chesmen Vav, V'yad Adonai Haisa El Eliyahu, and the hand of God was on Elijah. Aishanis Masna Vayarts Lefne Achav. He girded his loins and ran before the chariot of Achav. Achav, wicked king Ahab, riding on the chariot. Who is going before him? Eliyahu On the ground. Running before him on the ground. This too is topsy-turvy. Achav. Idolater. Slave to his passions. Intermarried. Promoter of foreign idolatries. He is on the chariot. He's enslaved, going on the horses, in a position of dominance. And Eliyahu is on the ground, running before him. And this was a miracle that Eliyahu was able to go that fast before horses. It was Yad Hashem, the hand of God. It was meant to impress upon Achav that he should not view Eliyahu as 
a lowly slave, although he's on the ground, he should recognize his greatness as a prince. The hand of God is upon him. And ultimately to recognize that he is the one who is enslaved, in spite of the fact that he's on the horse, on the horses. I did do some element of shuva, and this was a, a miracle that, to a certain degree, facilitated that recognition of his own enslavement, and that Eliyahu was being guided by the hand of God. <laughs>